Hello, hello. This is Amanda Mortensen with Yoga Wellness Money. Welcome to episode three. Today, I wanted to focus on why yoga wellness money. Uh, People are intrigued by the combination of yoga and money. And I wanted to explain where it kind of came from. And so going back to age of 18, when I graduated from high school, my orthodontist, uh, Dr. Kelson, gave each graduating senior a book called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. And I loved that book. I got a lot out of it, and I felt that it was really inspiring because our thoughts really do determine a lot of our destiny. But there was a more important conversation at my orthodontist's office that day, and it was about investing. For some reason, Dr. Kelson just took me aside, and all the chairs are around, you know, where patients are, and he just talked to me for, I don't know, quite a while, it seemed, about investing and about his investments and his investments in the stock market and um, having two different brokers, one with Charles Schwab and one with another brokerage, and he would kind of pit them against each other and call one and say, hey, how come you didn't perform last quarter as well as so-and-so? And he also talked to me about buying a new car versus buying a used car and how if you buy a new car in order to get the money's worth, you need to own it for at least eight years. So I just really hung on to every word he said and I really started thinking about investing in the stock market and how to save my money. And so later, one of the first books I purchased was Charles Schwab's Guide to Financial Independence because the name Charles Schwab stuck in my head. And that book really opened my eyes to the stock market. And that was important because being raised by my mother, who is very fiscally responsible and conservative, just taught me amazing things about avoiding debt at all costs. She did allow us to have a credit card from the age of 16, but she managed it with us and made sure it was paid off every month and uh, we paid we paid it off and she never carried a balance and she never went in debt for a car and she just was adamant that she doesn't pay interest. The only interest she pays is on her home. So that taught both my brother and I a very good lesson about handling money and the pitfalls of having debt. Even though we didn't really understand the pitfalls, it just kind of became ingrained in us that we just pay cash for things and we buy things that we can afford, period, end of story. Well, the one thing my mother did not teach me was about the stock market. She, like many of her generation, believes that the stock market is a form of gambling, that it's risky, that it's like gambling, it's not safe. You know, she was a type, you know, back in her earlier years in the 70s, she could put her money in a CD and it would make 10 or 11%. And she was also paying even more than that on interest on her home. 
but the interest rates were good. So you could put money away, you could have 10,000 put away and it was earning great interest. But those times have changed. And really the only thing that seems to be um, pacing inflation is the stock market. And what Charles Schwab taught me was sort of historically the overall stock market from 1920s to the present. And there's graphs that show, you know, clearly the crash of 29. There's a crash in the 80s. Obviously, there's the tech bubble crash in the early 2000s, 2008, another big crash. I mean, things that we've lived through. And then it's always interesting to me that people say, well, I lost half my money. I lost half my 401k. And I said, but did you lose it? Did you cash it out? And they kind of look at me like they don't quite understand what I'm asking. And what I'm asking is, unless you sold your investments, your 401k investments and got them out of the mutual funds they were probably invested in and cashed them out and put them into, you know, the government bond or the money market account, that money just sat there at a low point. But if you just left it alone, it recovered. It took three to five to eight years, but it bounced back and it bounced back in a big way. So I made some observations during the 2008 crash that I'll share with you at another podcast. But right now I just really want to focus on why this particular uh, brand of yoga wellness money. And it really goes back to as being a woman and money is kind of an interesting thing because as I speak to people that come to me to help them get organized with their finances or to get on a plan, or as I talk to friends, I've noticed that there is a lot of denial or putting you know, our heads in the sand or not wanting to really take a firm, hard look at where our finances sit today, where we're at, where we're going, what our plan is, because we do not have the luxury today of coming on pensions. A few of you may work for the government and a few of you may have pensions and money being set aside for you to make sure that you have a set amount that will come to you at retirement which may or may not be enough. And then in those same positions, they usually do have an optional opportunity to invest in a 401k or 457. It it varies. Those numbers just come from the tax code. And so a corporation is going to have a 401k. A government entity may have a 457 or 401a. But those are really important to invest in as well because they shore you up. So if anything happens to the retirement account or your pension account, and there have been companies that have provided pensions through their company that when the company went bankrupt, they also bankrupted all the obligations to the employees that had worked there their entire lives. So you always want to make sure that you're doing those optional ones where you own the account, you manage the account, and that money is all of yours. So the thing I learned from Charles Schwab is over the course of time, even though the stock market goes up and down and it fluctuates, over time, 
it is higher. So it does a gradual increase over time. And if you can withstand, you know, in your gut, the fact that it fluctuates and don't even worry about it because on a low day, just consider it to be on sale. And if you have any money sitting in a cash account, then you can go ahead and buy up some stock at an on-sale price. So whenever there's a red day in the stock market, and by red day, I mean you look at the S&P 500 or you look at the Dow Jones and it's red and it has negative numbers, I just think, oh, it's on sale. Do I have any money sitting in my brokerage account in a money market that I could buy something up? Brexit was a great day because I had just recently gotten out of a mutual fund that had primarily medical stocks in it. And I I just don't believe in sector stocks anymore. And I just really try to stay with index funds. And we'll talk about those two later. But so I had money just sitting in a money market account waiting to reinvest it on a day that was a little bit softer and not, you know, a peak high. And then we had Brexit. So the first day it was pretty bad. And the second day it was also bad. And I said, "Hmm, I think I'm going to buy up Uh, an index fund today. It seems to be on sale. (laughs) And sure enough, the third day, I believe it rebounded. And so I immediately uh, was in the green. So, and I don't recommend timing the market even a little bit. I just think that, you know, I just happened to get lucky that particular day. But for the most part, I buy and I hold and I hold for years and it has um, paid off greatly. And so... I want to share my passion for personal finance, and I want you to get excited and engaged also as you realize the role of money in your life and how it directly impacts your health and your well-being, because I don't think we have one without the other. I don't think you truly are living a healthy life if you're ignoring your finances or allowing shopping to take over or drowning in in credit card, consumer, or student loan debt. I just don't think our health and our well-being and our ability to thrive in this life is at its maximum unless we have really like taken regular time to look at where we are financially and to make sure that that is under control. So, and I don't also want to shout or use manipulative techniques to motivate you. I just want to teach and discuss and help your mind germinate your own plan for getting an abundance and in in an abundant place and paying attention to your own health and well-being. And it's not a tomorrow thing. It's a today thing. So if in a podcast, you can be listening and think, yeah, there is something I can do today to get me a little bit more aware and get me a little bit more invested in the planning and in the uh, being the boss of my money. And rather than the tail wagging the dog, I'm going to tell my money what to do. And just having a healthy respect for the role of our income. You know, our jobs are a blessing. Maybe you don't have the job that captures all of your passion. But man, every single day you wake up, you be grateful for that employer or that person or that client that is willing to pay you for the service that you render or the products you render. Because income honestly earned is always a blessing and we should be 
extremely grateful for that and be grateful for the season because there may be another season where you're doing exactly what you hope to be doing. But maybe this is a season where you've just come off of a hard situation or out of a sticky, terrible divorce or something has happened that has kind of knocked you on your butt and you're just doing whatever you can to make ends meet and to become self-sufficient and Man, if you're being self-sufficient and you're taking care of yourself and you're taking care of your family in a way that keeps food on the table and the lights on and a roof over their head, be proud of that and be proud of yourself. And, you know, hustle and work hard and be so, so very grateful for wherever that income may be coming from at the moment. So... Just remember that the things we learn, we have to apply. So I love to read. I read all the time. And one thing I do when I read is I either mark the pages as I go, if there's a quote in there. Often I've rented, I'm sorry, checked out the book from the library. And so I can't mark it up. But I put little flags, little sticky tabs on the pages. And then I'll go back and I'll write a quote, either type it into my computer or in a notebook, just quotes that I want to remember from that book or little highlights that I want to remember. Because a lot of times I get to the end of the book and I'm like, now what did I, what, what, what was I supposed to remember from that? You know, if you're reading fiction, a lot of times the story is just delicious and it just sits with you and the characters sit with you and it's just a wonderful experience and I'm sad to let the book end. But if I'm reading nonfiction and I'm reading something that's supposed to be teaching me I don't want to get to the end of it and be like, now what What did I just learn? What was I supposed to take away from that? So I really try to make sure I go through and make some notes and jot down some favorite quotes. And I also make sure I talk to my friends or my husband about it so that when we talk about something we're learning, that also helps um, imprint it on our minds. You know, The way to learn something the very best is to teach it. So today, it wasn't hardcore, something we need to do today, but I do want you to start thinking about your own money and the impact on your health or your health on your money. You know, if we're not in a healthy place, if we're not taking care of our bodies, if we're not nurturing through good food and healthy exercise, that also limits our ability to be self-sufficient and to go out and get a job. So it's kind of a, you know... A symbiotic relationship. So the thing I will leave you with today is, first of all, I want to apologize for using the word so, <laughs> so many times. That's one thing I've noticed in the first two casts is it's my tick for, I think, the word um. The thing I do want to leave you with today is a breathing exercise. When I was taking a yoga class every Tuesday night after work, I noticed that it was a community class and the average age in the class was probably 60, but I talked a girlfriend into going with me and we got a lot out of the class. And although the class, the postures weren't hard at all and he took it really easy and everything, he did have us work on our breathing and he really, he did a huge eye breath. And it's like the Darth Vader breath. 
But I did notice that an entire week would pass after that one class and I just felt less stressed. My girlfriend talked about feeling lighter on her feet and even her boyfriend noticed that she didn't walk as heavily. I don't know exactly what that means, but apparently she was lighter on her feet. And I think even more than the postures was the breathing that was making a big difference. So whenever I am in a situation where I'm trying to get a little more centered or calm down, I do what's called four square breathing. And that is defined as breathing in for four counts, holding it for four counts, and exhaling for four counts. And you do that four times. And when you do that particular breathing exercise, you cannot stay in a sympathetic mode, which means you can't stay in a revved up high mode. It helps kick in your parasympathetic, your like things that help you to be relaxed and to bring you down and to help you feel a little bit more clear and centered. So square breathing, breathe in for four, hold for four, exhale for four, four times. That's my challenge for you today. One simple thing. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time here at Yoga Wellness Money and I'm Amanda Mortensen. Namaste.